I recently had um, an adult woman and a teenage girl who had her hat pulled way down and it was looking very sad and I said, you know, can I help you? And the mom said, go ahead and ask the librarian. And she said, it was so sad. And she said, I want to know how I can be happy. Debbie Pecora is a librarian in the Science, Society, and Technology Department at Brooklyn's Central Library. I sent her to the young adult room. Um, we have books on happiness up here, but I thought in young adult they have books specialized for kids um, about all the different problems of teenagers, bullying and just getting along with your parents and stuff. And I hope she got the help she needed because I think she'll be a lifelong fan. If we can help her do that, we can help her write a paper or whatever else she needs. You know, Felice, I think it's pretty remarkable that this teenager's mom thought to bring her to the library for that sort of question. I think it means that she knew that the library would be a place that could help. It's a good reminder to me that the librarian's job really is to point you towards resources, not just books, but programs and classes or online communities or really anything that's going to help you. Especially at a public library where the goal is to help you find whatever it is you're looking for, including happiness. You can bring almost any problem or question to the library, and people are going to try to help you find the answer. People like Debbie sitting at the reference desk. You never, ever know, and that's the fun part of being a public librarian. You have no idea what that person's going to ask. It could be some question about slavery and the Civil War in, in South Carolina, or it could be... Um, how do I get to the third floor, or um, I want to become vegan, how do I do it? Um, that's the fun of it, that you never know. It's true, you really don't know. And that got us thinking, what are the questions that librarians are getting asked at the reference desk? So we took the microphone to a few librarians and clerks at Brooklyn Public Library. Here's what they told us about the common questions they get asked while sitting at the desk. My name is Bronson, and I work with clerical operations at Brooklyn Public Library, the central library. The most common questions are directional questions, where to find a book, where to find a DVD, which floor to find different materials. So we have people asking about their own religions, about their neighbors' religions, people just curious, maybe there's a holiday, maybe there's, they were told there's like an alternate side of parking, for religious holidays, so they want to know what that holiday is. I want to boost my self-esteem. I want to be happier. Um, how do I not be angry so much? And there's also the people who come up and say, I want to get rich. <laughs> we have a group of children here at the Mapleton branch who are our regulars here. We see them almost every day. They, they'll spend about an hour on at the, the desk with me at a time and we can cover a huge broad range of topics. A lady came this morning and she wanted to know how to learn Spanish so we have a section learning materials on all these different languages, dictionaries, uh, Spanish for dummies but all vocabulary books plus we have our conversation classes and then you get where's the ladies room. And I will say, in a big library like this, that is a very important question. So you just heard from Bronson Monroe, Mark Levine, Debbie Pecora, Samantha Owen, and Deborah Markowitz. As you could probably tell, these librarians and clerks get a whole range of questions at the desk. 
Some librarians we talked to, though, thought that overall, as the internet has become more accessible, the nature of the questions at the desk has gotten less involved. I mean, you can type a whole lot of questions into Google and get pretty sophisticated answers. Exactly, because there are more opportunities to find facts on your own. When people do come to the reference desk, chances are they're looking for a human, not a screen. This can make the questions at the desk sometimes really important and really sensitive. Like Debbie Pecora's story about the teenage girl who asked, "How can she be happy?" Interactions across the reference desk are changing. So today we're going to investigate how libraries are keeping up. I'm Felice Bell, and I'm Krissa Corbett Kavoris. You're listening to Borrowed Stories That Start at the Library. A lot of the people coming into libraries, stopping at the reference desk, regardless of what question they're asking, they're asking for help, right?、Um, they're asking for an opportunity. Kerwin Pilgrim, the director of adult learning at Brooklyn Public Library, says that reference desk interactions between a patron and staff are a really important part of the library's community service, not just our reference service. So what you should know is that one of the most commonly asked questions at the reference desk actually pertains to、uh, obtaining a high school equivalency diploma, an HSC diploma.、Uh, you know, commonly people say, "Can I? You know, how can you help me get my GED?" Right. And Felice, you actually work with these patrons, the ones coming in asking about their GED. They're asking for this very specific information. I do. I actually work in the Central Adult Learning Center with Kerwin as a literacy advisor. What's amazing is the library is not just a place for books and computers. You can also get your high school equivalency diploma here. You can learn English, study for your citizenship test. You can even get an associate level college degree. It's a place for so many things. Like Kerwin described, that one question across the reference desk, "Can you help me get my GED?" can lead you there. I'm curious, Felice, what's it like to work at the Adult Learning Center? Um, it's actually pretty incredible. Um. When you walk in the door, a bell's gonna ring, <laughs> which is always a shock to patrons. That's how we know somebody's entered the space. But it's actually a really beautiful learning environment.、Right. It's closed off to the public, so it's really only open to students that are in the program, and that's for privacy and confidentiality.、Uh, we work with adults who are reading nothing at all up until those who want to get their high school equivalency diplomas. You know, I think a common assumption is that all adults are able to read and write. I actually, before working here. Never thought about a population of adults who did、right. not have literacy skills, right. right? So, literacy nationwide is actually a huge issue. In the United States, there are 36 million adults who cannot read or write above a third grade level, and in New York City, it's about two million, which is 25 percent of our population that have low literacy skills.、Um, But it's not just literacy, right? Research shows there's a correlation between low literacy skills and increased rates of poverty, higher healthcare costs, and higher rates of incarceration. And for people with low literacy, getting through just a day in New York City can be a challenge. Absolutely, and this was a discovery for me—the level of genius that it takes、of、to、course. survive、yeah. in New York City without、yeah. literacy skills. So one student talked about counting train stops, so she、uh -huh. made sure she got off at the right place, right? And another student talked about being on an international flight and wearing a sling so that somebody would offer to fill out her customs form for her,、wow. right? And I was like, right, you figure it out,、yeah. you make it work,、yeah. you know?、Yeah. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah. yeah. So libraries are working to bridge that gap in our community, creating a positive space to learn for those who may have had 
negative experiences with traditional schools in the past. Right. And all of this actually leads back to the reference desk, because if we know that patrons might have had negative experiences with a traditional school, that's going to change the interaction a patron and a librarian might have across the desk. Here's how Kerwin puts it. So it's not just um, a service like, OK, well, you need a book, you need a, you need a question answer. But, you know, it's how we deliver that service. It's how we respond, um, because the person on the receiving end is, is very self-conscious. They're, they're taking um, notes of, you know, how we're, we're dealing with them. And if we don't do it right, we're going to lose them. Um, and I, I don't want the library, which is, you know, the anchor within a community, to, to lose its, its users. After that patron talks to a librarian at the reference desk, she might decide to come to the Adult Learning Center. And there, she's going to find a very different learning environment than she might have encountered in traditional school. Our adult basic education classes are made up of small groups of students with one tutor. Everyone sits around the same table, and the content is much more student-driven. We talked to Marida Morales, who is a volunteer tutor at the library. She described what her classes are like. It is a much more relaxed environment here at the library. And so for a lot of people who come here, they had a pretty negative experience with the educational system. Um, and so we don't, want, we don't want to bring that back. We want this to be different. And it is different. Like they're, they're not children anymore, right? We're dealing with adults who have a lot of other responsibilities. And so having, um, having a session, a tutoring session that supports their needs for developing reading and writing skills in a way that they can use in their life is more, it, it makes more sense than having it be more of a formal classroom setting. These classes are available for anyone over the age of 18, anyone who wants to continue their education. And please allow me to log roll a little for what Kerwin and Felice and Miraida do. As with everything at the library, it's completely free. So I just want to make that point in case you missed it. It's free. And it doesn't matter how long you've been out of school. That's something else Miraida talked about. People come to the library and ask for help when they're ready. I think another thing I've heard um, from older adults is the the notion that it's now their turn, right? It's like, oh, I made all these sacrifices when I was younger because I needed, you know, to help my family. I needed to work. I needed to to emigrate or whatever, right? And so there's adults here who, you know, they have children in college and or applying to college or finishing high school. And I'm like, okay, now you know, now I can take some time and do this for myself. And that's exactly what happened with one of the standout students who came to the library. My name is uh, Philip Rucker. What do you want to know? <laughs> we talked to Philip in the Adult Learning Center, so the recording has a bit of an echo. Philip Rucker is 70 years old, and high school was not a good experience for him. Because I was a hooky player. I was an unusual hooky player. I used to go either to the uh, Museum of Natural History, spend all day there. Well, I would go to the library. I would go in the morning, find fellow students that were going in my class, to class. And I would hand them last night's homework. But I wouldn't go into school. At the end of the day, I would meet them, and I would get the homework, 
do the homework in same process. So that's how I spent high school. Protesting, uh, being kicked off of sports team. So I didn't go to school anymore. The coaches tried to convince my father and mother, mother to rescind it because they said he's not coming to school since that's happened. So, and you know, it became a test of wills and never went back. And then Philip's father passed away when he was 16. I was the only one of my father's three children that was uh, taken to the hospital just weeks before he passed from stomach cancer. He wanted me to do one thing, that was to graduate from high school. But at 17, Philip went to the Army. He never graduated from high school. It's been 50 years since Philip left high school. After working in community organizing and a few other jobs, Philip retired. And then he came to the library and picked up a flyer for the Adult Learning Center. He decided to get the education he'd missed out on in his youth. It was challenging at times, and Philip was honest about what it could feel like to return to school as an adult. You don't know how you've been received. Initially, your family may not be supportive. They say, well, why now? That type of thing uh, for a less confident person can create fear. Now, how, how much did you forget in school? How, how different is the, is the teaching today? What, how, uh, what additional subject matter is there? Blah, 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 so forth and so on. So that was my biggest thing, fear. But Philip kept coming. For three years, he attended classes, starting with the adult basic education courses. And eventually, he started studying for the TASC exam, New York State's high school equivalency test. Last July, he passed the test on his first try. So here I am, 70 years old, and I kept my promise to my father. Hoorah. <laughs> Last year, Philip was also named one of the students of the year by the New York Association for Continuing and Community Education. Yeah, my life has changed uh, immensely. I have a much better feel for myself in terms of self-worth than I've ever had and self-confidence. Uh, my grandchildren, uh, one of my grandchildren, he, he didn't uh, graduate from high school. And so I told him I was going to graduate before him. And he said, not, not, it's not happening, Grandpa. And I graduated before him. So I get to rub it in. And now that Philip has achieved his goal, his plan is to become a volunteer tutor at the Central Adult Learning Center. He's going through the six-week volunteer tutor training and assistant teaching in a pre-HSE math class. Soon, he'll take his turn on the other side of the desk. Do you know what I really love about this story? Phillips started coming to the library when he was trying to skip school, and now he's coming to the library for school. There's something really nice and cyclical about that. Learning is a lifelong process, and I am constantly amazed and inspired by the students who come through the Learning Center. They remind me on a daily basis that it is never too late to achieve your dream. That is a wonderful place to end the story. But it's not over yet. We're going to hear from librarian Carl Fossum at the Bay Ridge branch. He has a list of book recommendations for us about just that, the idea of lifelong learning. Here's Carl. If you're trying to finish your education, you're trying to get a uh, high school equivalency, or something like that, it's sometimes difficult to pull yourself out of your comfort zone and go into something that makes you uncomfortable. 
And I think that Binti by Nnedi Okorafor covers that same kind of idea. Binti is the first of the Himba people in Africa to ever be offered a place at Umza University, which is the finest institution of higher learning planets away. And so she decides to go, but that requires her to leave her entire way of life behind, leave everything she knows to go out and do something new. And my next book was John Scalzi's Old Man's War. In this future uh, setting, mankind has reached the stars and moved out to many planets, but unfortunately has found many other species that are very antagonistic. And so there's a thing called the Colonial Defense Force. And what they basically do is they want people who have lived long, not young people, because they want to draw on their experience. And with uh, the character there, when he reaches his 74th birthday, he comes to two conclusions. So he's going to go visit his wife's grave, and he's going to enlist in the army. He thinks he knows what's going to be coming, but actually it is far harder than he can imagine. And what he becomes in the end is far stranger. And my next book was uh, written by Jumpa Lahiri, and it's called In Other Words. She's a best-selling and Pulitzer Prize-winning author, and she has had a lifelong love of the Italian language. And so she decides to kind of challenge herself by moving her entire family to Italy and deciding that she's going to read and write only in Italian. So in the book, it's a, it's a bunch of essays, and um, she goes through what she's doing when she's struggling to grasp her new language, while also recalling moments of joy and triumph. My next book um, is a book that's uh, called You Can Look It Up, The Reference Shelf from Ancient Babylon to Wikipedia by Jack Lynch. And what uh, Lynch does in this book, he kind of gives you an overview of reference books going from the earliest known writings to Wikipedia. And I, I really can't praise it highly enough. It's a really, it's a lovely book. And if you've got any kind of interest in how reference books come together, you know, the, the, the biography alone will give you plenty of books to want to read and expand from. Borrowed is brought to you by Brooklyn Public Library. You can find a transcript of this episode at our website, brooklynlibrary.org backslash podcasts, as well as a link to the book match list and ways you can get involved in the Adult Learning Center as a student or a volunteer. Borrowed is produced and written by Virginia Marshall with help from Fritzi Bodenheimer, Jennifer Prophet, Meryl Friedman, and Robin Lester Kenton. Our music composer is Billy Libby. We are recording from Central Library's Information Commons Recording Studio. And guess what? If you have a BPL library card, you can reserve time here too and make your very own podcast. And as long as we're recommending books on Borrowed, why not recommend another podcast? In the same way that we hope this episode help you see reference desks in a whole new way, there's another podcast episode that'll help you see the Dewey Decimal System in an entirely new light. It's on the Kitchen Sisters podcast, part of their series called The Keepers. And this particular episode is a collaboration with Molly Schwartz of the Metropolitan New York Library Council. The episode is called The Dark Side of the Dewey Decimal System. It's number 108. While you're looking at the Keepers Project, check out the other amazing archives and archivists they've profiled. Until next time. Thanks for listening.